has enough of the country been hit hard enough by reality to change their mind, or did the beatings have to continue? Hi everybody, welcome to the Virtue Signal. I'm Bill Whittle here with my friend Alfonso Rachel, and you probably know the drill by now. Uh, Zoe, I had a kind of a, I don't know if it's a major realization, but it maybe it'll help a little bit. Uh, crime is at all time uh, about 25, 30, 40, 50 year highs in New York City, Chicago, uh, Portland, everywhere. Crime's going through the ceiling. And yet, I suppose we'll know more in a couple weeks after the midterm elections, and yet, People seem to keep voting for the same folks, and it doesn't make any sense. And I was trying to figure out why that was. And one of the things that may explain this is something called the sunk cost fallacy. Um, it's an extremely powerful psychological motivator. And basically, well, here's the description of it. Sunk cost fallacy is the phenomenon whereby a person is reluctant to abandon a strategy or a course of action because they have invested heavily in it even when it's clear that abandonment would be more beneficial. One of the first examples I ever heard of this many years ago was when um, a number of these televangelists like Jerry Falwell or um, uh, Jim Baker, those kind of guys, when there was overwhelming proof that these guys were not only stealing money but were morally reprehensible people. And a number of their followers disappeared, significant number, but a, but a significant number of them also increased their donations. And it was explained to me that the reason they increased their donations after discovering that these guys were frauds, or at least after the world discovered that, was because they had sent, sent so much money to these men over the years that the idea that they could have wasted that money, that all of that money, and we're talking about people in real hardship who were sending you know, social security checks to these guys. The idea that that they could have been wrong about that and that all of that money was wasted was overwhelming. It was so overwhelming that it that it it overwhelmed their ability to see the truth that was right in front of their eyes, including confessions from these people. So that's what sunk cost fallacy is, is you've got so much sunk, you've got so much time or effort or emotion or money or or ideology or whatever sunk into a system that even though the evidence becomes overwhelming that this isn't working, you don't want to give it up. And that certainly seems to be the case with what I see in terms of crime. Uh, I see it in terms of things like people wearing the, they're still wearing the, the um, COVID masks here in, in my building in Los Angeles. And I suspect that's some cost fallacy too. People have too much invested in the fact that we follow the science and Fauci is right and all the rest of it. But in terms of changing the way people vote, people's the way people vote makes you wonder, really. I guess my question is, do you think there's ever going to be anything strong enough to snap people out of this? Um, well, I mean, we exist in the natural, man, and everything in the natural has got a shelf life. You know, things decay. So in terms of, uh, you know, when this will turn around, um, you know, let me just go ahead and, and, and just say it like this. I don't have it's not that I'm not hopeful. It's not that I'm a pessimist or anything like that. Well, uh, in terms of like my hope in what we're going to do to turn this around, I don't place my hope in that. Uh, my hope is in the Lord. He's, he's the actual rescue for this. 
And uh, that's what I, you know, lean on to keep my sanity so I don't become part of the decay. Uh, but, you know, of course, there's going to be I guess there's going to be more crime out there because you, you mentioned COVID. Shoot, they were letting prisoners out of jail. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, there's more criminals on the street. And that's more kind of standing. It's like, why would you guys do that? And why do you guys keep voting for these kind of people who make these kind of policies? And but to answer your question about, you know, when you have these people who would still give money um, to uh, these preachers who have, you know, these fallen preachers, these false preachers and stuff like that. Well, you know, when when you have them go before the camera, I, I think, uh, you know, back kind of like when Saturday Night Live was still funny. Uh, you know, they would have those skits and they would, and, and the girl would be like doing Tammy Baker and, and they would do these preachers and you know, crying and stuff like that. Well, if you're a real Christian, real Christian, I'm, I'm going to put it in quotes, you should be able to forgive them for their transgression. So when they go before the cameras and they go before the congregation and they, and they admit their guilt and stuff like that, I've sinned before you and I've sinned before the Lord, but you can show that you have the power of forgiveness and you can go ahead and get out that checkbook and you can sow you a seed for a thousand dollars and show that you're really forgiven. You're walking in it. So you're going to have people who will do stuff like that. Um, you know, and at the same time, you know, you're going to have people, well, what if I was in that position? I wouldn't want to be judged harshly either. You know, and that's when they read things like, you know, thou shalt not judge while leaving out a whole bunch of context about what that actually means. Um, the, the point is to not judge hypocritically. The, ju- the, the point is to not, you know, be so focused on the splinter in somebody else's eye while you got a telephone pole sticking out of yours. You know, so it's, it's that kind of thing. So, you know, to kind of answer your question, we I think a lot of the culture puts up with a lot of this stuff because there is such an, an aversion to be judged. And they don't want to be judged any more than, uh, uh, you know, that. so they, they try to avoid uh, judging anybody else. But at the same time, I noticed that America, despite this aversion to judging people, is becoming the most judgmental people. It doesn't seem to work. Yeah. Funny how that works. Um, I think that's... I think that this sunk cost thing is is magnified enormously by the power of social media. Uh, I think it it's the kind of thing where if you were if you had a small circle of friends or family like everybody did back before you had thousands and thousands of friends and you know hundreds of thousands of followers and all that jazz. Um, if you changed your mind about something, or even if you were thinking about changing your mind about something, you know you you would have a conversation with the people you know and. They knew you, so even if you changed your mind into something that they didn't particularly like politically, they'd known you long enough so that they didn't think you were a Nazi because you voted differently than them. And so changing your mind was a lot easier back then. But now, since all of since so much of the um, so much social recognition for some people anyway, so much of their identity—that's the term I'm looking for is based in, in belonging to, to some of these groups. This sunk cost fallacy becomes enormously more powerful because now you can be the kind of person who's living in New York and you can remember when Rudy Giuliani, who was a Republican who you hated and, and, and cursed, uh, made that a livable town. And you've watched as Bill de Blasio and then you know, even more so lately, you've watched all of these people that you voted for make the city unbearably worse. And yet, to change your mind about this and say, wow, I guess I was wrong. Looks like the Republicans ran a city that, you know, was a livable place. And 
the people I voted for really messed things up. Hmm. To change your mind now means to lose your identity. You, all of your friends are gone. All of the, you just get all of this condemnation. How many times have we heard the story of, of a gay conservative or black conservatives or women or whatever, you know, who uh, in some cases, let's say somebody was, um, was a formerly outspoken gay advocate and then comes out and says, you know, I've been looking around and talking to people and I realize that the Republicans are not the monsters we made them out to be. And furthermore, my team is. I, I, I'm, I can't call myself a liberal anymore. Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard just did this. Hmm. And then instantly the attacks that they had always been told would come from conservatives and the hate and the vitriol and all the other stuff comes from their own team because they've changed their mind. So the question I keep asking is, is there a threshold where where reality overwhelms this powerful motivator, which gets more powerful all the time with with the, the wider the net of people you have who have influence over you, but who don't know you? Um, well, okay, so maybe picking up from, from like, um, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, and I'm trying to, you know, you know, crystallize what, what, what you're saying here about, uh, you know, you hold on to these ideas and, I mean, am I, am, I, am I tracking with you here where it's like you're basically saying, you know, people hold truth to these ideas and it doesn't even matter if they're wrong. They're going to hold to these ideas no matter what. Um, or even if you try to break free from that, there's going to be this opposition from, I guess, either the people that you're trying to leave or trying to go to. And, and what makes it difficult to realize that some of these things are not working? Is, is that kind of like the gist? Well, where I was going with the Tulsi Gabbard thing was, I mean, she was the darling of the Democratic Party. She immediately just was elected and walked right into the, was it the associate chair of the Democratic National Committee, something like that? She was the future, the spokesperson, all of the commentators, you know, you just a super cut of all of these people on MSNBC and CNN talking about Tulsi Gabbard's going to be the next Democratic superstar. Blah, blah, blah. Tulsi Gabbard comes out and says, uh, I can't identify with this. I cannot be seen to identify with this party anymore. It's antithetical to everything I believe in. That is a person who had a tremendous sunk cost into the Democratic Party. I mean, it was her livelihood. It was her fame. It was she was carried around on the shoulders. You know, I mean, she was she was she was it. And for her to say that the reality on the ground has either changed or I've seen things that that were there before that I didn't see before. And therefore, I've decided to change my mind. It's a sign of of sanity. That's a sign of character. Sure, but but, okay. but I see so many of these people in these cities like Portland who just towns have just been destroyed by the politics that they voted for. Same with L.A. We mm -hmm. couldn't re recall Gavin Newsom. Couldn't recall the the uh, the city attorney who's made <laughs> Los Angeles into a third world country. Mm -hmm. And I want to grab these people and, and shake them and say, "What's it going to take?" Yeah. And then I then I came to the realization that it's not just a, a spot decision that they have an entire lifetime of identity invested in these um, labels like mm. Democrat and liberal. And I don't know if anything is possible to shaking them out of it now. I tell you what, man, I mean, you know, the word tells us, you know, we're going to be in these generations where, you know, it says, you know, woe to those that don't know good from evil, light from dark, you know, bitter from sweet, man from trans. It's, it's, it says that that's, that's what's going to happen. People are going to have, they're going to be very dyslexic about these things. Right. And, um, you know, like, like for example, um, I just saw a video 
where you know this i guess it's, it's today and forgive me if i don't if i don't know the exact date folks mm-hmm. you know but uh either today or tomorrow <clears throat> um ashley babbitt's birthday right so there was a memorial you know on the steps you know roses and stuff like that I was going to celebrate her birthday the police you know the capitol police they're standing there right and uh this girl comes over and she just f as she's singing f ashley babbitt f her calling her the c word calling her the we're b not, word we're talking about tulsi gabbard we're you're are you making you're you're making a different case now, right? I'm talking no, I'm, about the politician. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm 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 coming into that in terms of like. I'm sorry, people, man. The, the names were so familiar. I thought right. maybe we got confused. Join the club, man. Join the club. <laughs> uh, but you know, she's she's kicking over this stuff, and you know, just singing F Ashley Babbitt. You know, all that all, all that stuff, and the Capitol Police ain't doing nothing. They letting her do it. I mean, of course, you know, well, it was it was the, it was. The, Capitol Police that killed Ashley Babbitt. So why would they do anything, right? But the thing is, but what, what she's also saying is, F you, Ashley Babbitt, for trying to kill police. F you, you C word, you B word, for, for trying to overthrow uh, uh, this, this administration. And, 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 you sh- and, and basically tell, I mean, the, to answer your question, Bill, when we talk about the dyslexic, d- dyslexia, it's like, how did y'all go from this belligerent nut who's up there uh, uh, um, desecrating uh, this thing, this show of love that they have for Ashley Babbitt? So how did y'all go from F the police, defund the police, to F you, Ashley Babbitt, for trying to kill police? I, she should have been a hero to y'all. Yeah. But somewhere, you know, the, the bottom line is that these people are confused about freaking everything. They don't know good from evil. They really yeah, they don't, don't have any internal. They don't have any no. internal values. It's all no. what's the current thing? What's the current thing for me to be angry at? Absolutely. So uh, to, to answer your question, yeah, you know, she doesn't know where she stands with the police. She doesn't know where she stands with what's good or evil or what the government is doing or anything like that. Now, in terms of like, uh, you know, wow, where, how that translated, are people going to wake up and they're going to see what's wrong? Um, like even with, uh, uh, Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard and I, I, I kind of butt heads, you know, I, I know what, with conservatives about this because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of militant when it comes to, you know, people, you know, waking up to what the Democrat party is. And like I said, it's not about waking up to what, to what they do. It's about, about who they are. Um, you know, but waking up to, to what it is that they're doing and then saying, this isn't the Democrat party that I once knew. And I'm like, what took you so long? This Democrat Party, man, they, they've always been like this. This is who they've always been. Um, now, you know, you got some conservatives who will say that, yeah, but they're not like those old school Democrats. And I'm like, those old school Democrats was crazy, too. You had some anomalies, some who were willing. And, and it's like they become like the, the um, they become the tone that a lot of you know Republican voters will view the old Democrat Party. Now, those people were anomalies. That wasn't the Democrat Party as a norm. And even though you may have have had those more sensible Democrats, those are the Democrats who are prepared to play the long game. And the end result of what these Democrats are doing are the nuts that you're seeing today. They just fast tracked it to there. They're just who they are. Their true colors just came out. They came out of the closet. Right. But if you're a Democrat and you're actually if you're really sensible, you wouldn't be a Democrat. (laughs) 
The whole point of being a Democrat is to see our country as a democracy where you can have the power to vote away person's God-given rights. That's what it is to be a Democrat. Some Democrats, they just don't register that and they think they're doing it for a good purpose and they're, 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 they have redeeming uh, reasons for being a Democrat. It's like, no, you're a Democrat. You really believe that you can vote away what God gave us the right to. That's the difference between being a democracy and a republic. So, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm like one of those, it's like, you know, there's some things that I like. If you're going to walk away from the Democrat Party only because you're dis disgruntled with the Democrat Party, then keep on walking because there's some standards. With a party of standards and values, well, there's some standards before you go calling yourself Republican, which I don't know if she is. You know, I don't know. Uh, but that's, that's, that's my take on it. Mm. Well, we're a few weeks away from a, a very important midterm election. Obviously, it's not just important for the mechanics of being able to stop this assault on, it's not even an assault on America anymore. So it's an assault on reality. It's an assault on truth. Everything now that the left is is not just advocating, but insisting on is not just false, it's anti-true. I mean, it's, it's, it's mm. antithesis of truth and reality. And so looking ahead and, and having watched the last couple of years and, and being amazed at the um, the people that still wear their masks and amazed at, at the Newsom recall and, the, and the, all of these things. Um, I am, needless to say, very curious to know. And when I look at, when I think about the uh, upcoming election, I think, has enough of the country been hit hard enough by reality to change their mind? Or did the beatings have to continue, you know, until, um, until voting habits change? And I just don't know the answer to that, but I but I do know that that the reality of life is under left wing policies is not something that can be ignored. These are not trivial little things. That there are factual and violent demonstrations on a daily basis of what happens when you go down this road that the left wants us to go down. And so I hope that the time um, will has arrived where enough Democrats anyway, because everything's a bell curve. It's not like a binary thing for the whole party. There are people like Tulsi Gabbard who've already decided, you know, I've had enough of this, uh, to see whether or not we can swing back to reality. And, uh, I'm reminded, you know, on, on times like this when it just seems so over. It's not even overwhelming so much as it's just mystifying. You know, it's just surreal. Yeah, and um, and uh, Alexandra Solzhenitsyn said that one word spoken in in truth outweighs the whole world. You know, and that kind of thing um, gives me a lot of comfort in in times like this. We'll find out soon enough, I guess. I wish they would unsync themselves. You know, the whole thing about this is. Uh, one of the most adult things you can do in your life is psychologically, and one of the hardest things is to know when to cut your losses. Sure. The term cutting your losses is directly related to the sunk cost fallacy. Like, I can't stop gambling now. I'm 60 grand down. I got to get that 60 grand back. Yeah, but what's more likely is if you don't stop now, you're going to be 80 grand down, and then you'll be 200 grand down. Get out now and um, cut your losses. And I hope that that's what we'll be seeing at least enough to make a difference in the national politics somewhere three weeks from now, I guess. 
Right. It'll do it for this edition of the Virtue Signal made possible by the members at BillWhittle.com. Very grateful for your support. And for my friend Alfonso, Rachel, we'll see you next time right here on the Virtue Signal.